Hey, all you Theosciples! I'm Michael. And I'm Brendan from Finding Christ in Cinema. You are listening to the Theonauts Podcast with your hosts, David and Jeremiah. Right here at GCTNetwork.com. Your Great Commission Transmission. It's the Theonauts. Number 134. The one where we discuss pillow talk. The Theonauts Podcast. Christian news from around the globe. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Explore the vast reaches of God's word. Hello, all you Theo Knee Busters out there. I'm David Gaddy. I'm Jeremiah Orr. And together we are... The, the Theonauts! Okay, I'm trying to see if my level's right. Um, it doesn't so sound so sore. Right. You are sound you, good to me. This is, am I coming through okay? Yeah, you sound great. Okay, we'll see. And your hairstyle is very much like <laughs> it's, uh, it's, Superman today. It's growing. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Melanie's not too happy about that. You should grow it out. That's what I'm doing. Oh, yeah? yeah. Like really long? Well, I don't know about really long, but does it get cur- curly and wavy? No, not really. But it gets really fluffy. You know, so I gotta fluffy. like, I gotta like get some sort of conditioner to keep in it or something. That's hilarious. Know. So I'm talking like a girl now. Yeah, you know, I'm like, uh, yeah. What kind of conditioner should I put in my hair? Yeah. No, this one just <laughs> makes it so not nice. I don't, I don't know how girls talk. Actually, it's not, very, not very good. Uh, anyways, how you doing, David? I'm doing pretty awesome, man. So, yeah. what are you sore from? Uh, I played. 18 rounds of disc, disc golf today. Oh, yeah. Went walking. I've been trying to be active ever since school let out. Right. And do something every day. So yesterday I went walking with Blakely. Today I played disc golf. Tomorrow I might marry the two and go walking with Blakely and throw discs. Oh, that's cool. Bonham. But yeah. Anyways. Take her so, with you and teach her how to disc golf. Yeah. Watch this, Blakely. She'll just <laughs> sit there and stare at her. She usually gets out her little binky and starts playing with it. Yeah. Well, I'm supposed to play golf golf on Friday, and it has been years since, since I've done that. You play golf? Oh, I used to play golf a lot. Really? Yeah. But Are you part of the team that's going on yeah, Friday? Is yeah. That the, who all's going? Yeah, I don't even know. I know... Uh, Bobby and Jacob, I don't know. Oh, I'm excited. There's one Bobby's more of us. There's four of us total. Wow. So I don't know who the fourth is. That'll be fun. I'm, I'm, I hope we're playing best ball. <laughs> then, I, I if you play best ball and you stink, then none of your shots count for nothing. Yeah, who cares? You're on a team. It's, it's a team. Go team. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a scramble. <laughs> I hate those. Because, you know, very rarely will they use your... Your shot. I'm I'm horrible at golf. I swing a golf club like a baseball bat. Really? Yeah, I'm terrible. Man, like I'd say twenty years ago I was I was into it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But uh that was whenever I was working at a at a big corporation and my boss is golfed and it was uh-huh. just like the thing that's how I got into it. You right. know, was you know, brown nosing. Rubbing shoulders. Yeah. Hobnobbing. <laughs> With the Dallas Elite. Yeah, yeah. Fancy. So, whatever. <laughs> it's expensive. You know, the disc golf is cheap. Oh, I mean, yeah, I love it. Sure, the discs are, are kind of expensive, but... <clears throat> 
But they're not as expensive you, as buying a golf set. No, and you don't have to pay to play. That's right. It's free everywhere you go. And you get. I think you get a lot more exercise because you're walking a lot more. Well, it depends. When I first started playing like just golf, we walked the course. Oh, really? You know, yeah, I had like a little... Uh, caddy? Yeah, two-wheel caddy yeah. and walked. But once you start riding the, the golf cart, in yeah. It's kind of pointless. <laughs> You're not doing a whole lot of exercise. I've never played golf where I've walked the course. Yeah. yeah. It's, it can be tiring depending on how big your bag is and how many holes you do. <laughs> I believe so. it. <laughs> anyway, so did so, you have a good week? Yeah. Um, man, I, I started running again, mm-hmm. and uh, that's been killing me. My legs feel like rubber right now. So yeah. last night, I was just telling you right before we started recording – I ran, I, I've been running two miles. Mm-hmm. Usually it runs slash walk, you know, two miles. But uh, last night was my personal best time on two miles. Really? So, yeah. So 20, 22 minutes. Not bad. Not bad for an old guy. I mean, that's close to army time. They'll let you into the army doing that. Will they really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what their times are. Uh, last I checked, was like 12 minute mile or something like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, so you're pretty close. Yeah, I was in that. In that yeah. range, but um, so anyway, it was. It's nice um, as long as see. I have to keep myself in check because I have no real throttle. Right. You know, I start getting out there and I start thinking I'm 20 years old again. <laughs> and then uh, a few weeks ago, I pulled muscle uh, in my calf, trying to run harder when I need when I didn't need to. You know, and that sort of thing. So, but yeah. anyway. Said we built a fire pit this weekend. Yes, we did out in my backyard. Yeah, for the old Memorial Day preparation. That's right, and enjoyed that. Thank you to all of our troops home and abroad. If you served, thanks yes. for your service. Uh, now that we're done with that ubiquitous, ubiquitous <laughs> statement, ubiquitous. Yeah, fancy word. So you ready to jump into this topic Obligate. of yours? Oblig was it? no obligatory. It's obligatory. There you go. Not ubiquitous. I'm tired. <laughs> I played too much golf, and now I'm like all sunstroked out, and, and we have to get into a topic that I'm running today. Yes. Fine, let's do let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, last Sunday I got to preach, and uh, the topic was prayer. Yeah. Um, God laid that on my heart like he's been laying it on yours, and, yeah. uh, and so we decided to make a two-week series out of it, which I'm going to miss, by the way. I'm not going to be here for oh, yeah? years on Sunday because I'll be in Kansas celebrating Blakely's one-year birthday. Well, months down the line, we'll probably get it online. Yeah, someday. We're, we're really behind on I our, noticed the Haiti thing. Our sermons, I just up. put the Haiti one up, Yeah, which is, we haven't even got to the Mother's Day thing yet. <laughs> but, uh, so you asked me to basically do what I did on Sunday because, you know, it's a pretty interesting topic, yeah. prayer. Um, and we've talked about prayer before. We have. But I think it's one of these topics that deserves visiting, revisiting just because, well, if nothing else, it's a broad topic. Right. Like there are so many aspects of prayer we could talk about. Yeah. And what it, you know, what it does, uh, the importance of it, which I think is what, you know, primarily what we're going to, sure. from an individual standpoint, you're a relational standpoint. Right. Uh, there's, you know, it's value in a corporate setting and, and, uh, postures of prayer. Sure. Um, oh, there's so much you can go to. What do you say? What do you don't say? I How mean, God answers. Mm, there's tons and tons and tons of things that we could talk about. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, you and I had been talking about it, and you, it's like you were you were talking about prayer and thinking about prayer, and I was talking about it and thinking about it, but we were kind of in 
two different realms, completely. realms of it, yep. but it's like two gears in a cog, you know, or whatever, you know, in a machine. So it's like working together. Absolutely. So that, that'd be awesome. So probably next week's Theonauts will be part two. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> my biggest thing was on, how, you know, prayer and how, how prayer works or not so much how prayer works, but prayer is how God works. And so I spent some time doing a little bit of research, and this is from 2011, but I think that we, uh, as America, are probably, prayer is probably the most, if not one of the most, besides Bible study, but the two go hand in hand to me, Mm -hmm. um, uh, neglected spiritual disciplines in the United States. Right. Why is that? Why is it so neglected? So I did some research and I found that, and this is from 2011, so it may be a little dated, but not that much. Uh, This is a Pew Research. um, Found that 75% um, of Christians say they pray at least once a day. So 75%, you may think, well, that's, that's pretty good, but then you got to realize that these are professor, professing Christians, mm-hmm. right? And 75% of them say that they pray once a day. Now, what is the defining mark of a Christian? It's somebody who has a relationship with God. Right. That's the defining mark of a Christian. If you were to ask me, what is a, what is a Christian? My answer would be somebody who um, has believed and trusted on the saving grace of Jesus Christ, and because of that, uh, has a relationship with God the Father. Right. That's a Christian. But how can you have a relationship and never talk? And never talk. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like uh, you know, we talk about <coughs> communication is the key in any relationship, right? Yeah. But so you're not communicating with the person that you are supposed to be having the greatest relationship right. with. And, you know, so when you look at that statistic, 75%. Um, say that they pray at least once a day, but sixty four percent say that they they pray one or less. Okay, so mm. it's like you know it's really muddy there. And then, so I don't know about you, but I think about the time my prayer life has been really cold. I think about the times that I that I pray. When are they? Well, typically, most Americans there are three times that they pray. Really, honestly, we want to get typical on this. And you can go, yeah, I pray, but okay, so when do you pray? It's usually before... Breakfast, lunch, and supper. Breakfast, before right. lunch, before dinner, right? <laughs> right. Only, only if you're with other Christians. But if you're like alone, you might do it. And then if you're in a crowd and you're the only... Probably not happening. Probably not happening. Yeah. You don't want to embarrass anybody, right? Yeah. How could you do that? And so, uh, you know... Be that be that one that's like, excuse me for just one second. I need to what? say grace. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, what is that indicative of? And then not only that, but um, when we do pray before meals, I, I had this uh, story of my niece who was... Oh, gosh. She was four four or five, I can't remember. And we were at Thanksgiving dinner, right? And so the whole family's gathered around and it's it's the uh it's um the time to say, you know, the Thanksgiving prayer before mm-hmm. to give thanks before we eat. And uh and my dad, who's a pastor, is always the one who usually, you know, yeah. gives that that prayer. So he starts out praying and halfway through Micah goes just out of the mouth of Bay, he was five years old. Oh my goodness! Like, 
could you not pray half as long as what you're doing right now? This is terrible. And you know what's sad is I'm pretty sure that every adult standing around that table was thinking kind of the same thing. She was just the one that expressed it. Right. You know? And then I think I work at a Christian private school, so we do this thing before we eat lunch, and it's pray, right? Yeah. And uh, so we'll do recess, and then we line up everybody, and uh, and then we ask who wants to pray for the meal. We let the kids pray. And there's this one kid who started about halfway through the year, started praying every day, like shot up his hand first. And at first I was like, oh, man, he's, you know, he's really getting this, into the spiritual stuff. But then I realized what he was doing. This kid had it down. He figured that if he prayed and he said his one sentence prayer that he didn't have to wait any longer yeah, yeah. To, to to go in and eat. So he'd shoot up his hand and we'd say, All right, kid, and he'd go, Thank you for this food in Jesus' name, amen. That mean that was it. All right. And so like this became a daily thing for him. <clears throat> and so I mean these analogies are kind of um pretty radical, but at the same time I think this is very indicative of where we are as a nation, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, Charles Spurgeon uh, has this quote in one of his sermons, talks about cold prayer, and this is, I mean, it just nails this on, on its head. Oh, those cold-hearted prayers that die upon the lips, those cold supplications that do not move men's hearts. How should they move God's heart? Mm-hmm. Right? Wow. And I, I think that, that that's very true. Most of the prayers in America are, are simply... Formulaic. Simply cold-hearted, formulaic, yeah. formulaic prayers. So it's, it's like, you know, I grew up hearing the same prayers. Sure. Over and over and over. And, sure. you, and you, can't, you have no choice but to, but to mention those catchphrases... Whenever you start praying, because it's Lord, like, give us a hedge of protection. Yeah, right? which is what the Satan said to God. If you think about it, <laughs> why are we quoting Satan in our prayers? Uh, I never thought that, about that. Was that was in the Book of Job, and he was like, "You know why Job doesn't curse you? Because you built a hedge of protection around him." <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, but then you've got like. Um, these little um, guide, guard, and direct. You know, yeah. you can't just guide, you can't just guard, you can't just direct. It has to be guide, guide guard, guard, and direct. And direct yeah. I mean, there's, how many of these do we have? There's absolutely tons of them. Well, and not only that, but we actually turn the Lord's Prayer into a formulaic prayer. Oh, yes, we, we use it exactly the opposite of what he was, <laughs> we, the, what he was actually <laughs> teaching yeah. when he gave the Lord's Prayer. We totally break right. by using it. Right, the way, the, and we'll we'll get to that a little bit. I want to spend okay. some time on that, but absolutely, what we do is we all it is is vain. The, Jesus calls it vain repetition, yeah. where where you have Father as every other word in your in your prayer. Yes, Father God, we just we just come to you, and Father just, God. Just yeah, just. gotta get just in there a lot. That's right, and uh, oh, Father God, when when you uh, come to us, and Father God, you just. <laughs> Like just where is the meat in that? Right. Like you're just kind of well, you're not thinking about what you're saying. Hmm. You're pretty much just. Um, I mean, it's it's filler filler yeah. words, right? Right. It's it's just repetition. It's it's what we do. And so why? But why we're all guilty that? of that, by the way. Oh, I mean, 100. <laughs> me too. Me too. But here's what I want to do. I want to take 
prayer out as an American thing, and I want to analyze it for a little bit okay. and go, why is it that we, we do this? Um, we're going to talk about relationships here in a minute, but I think this is a good... Well, you know what? I'll hold off for a second, and we'll get back to that. And something I didn't say on Sunday, and I wish I, I would have, but <clears throat> I believe that there are two reasons for our lack of um, fervent prayer, real prayer. Mm-hmm. The first one is because... <clears throat> We we don't we don't pray because we don't realize how needy we are and how powerful prayer is in America, specifically in America. Right. I think that we don't pray because we we have we no don't clue need anything. how much we need and how powerful prayer is to fill that need. Right. The other reason that we don't pray is because we're not simply we're just not intimate with God. Uh, we don't have any real intimacy. Um, so let's let's talk about that that neediness, okay? Real quick, um, prayer is an imperative in Scripture. First Thessalonians uh, five sixteen through twenty two, Paul gives this really cool. It's a poem, yeah. Uh, that Paul spouts out, and it's like at the end of the, of the letter, right? So yeah, it's the end of the letter. But one of the things he say it says is, "Pray constantly, give thanks in everything." For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't have a lot of scripture other than the entire Bible. I didn't mm-hmm. want to pull any one thing out because the entire narrative <clears throat> of the Bible goes like this. God created man. Why did God create man? For his own glory, mm-hmm. he created man to have a relationship with man. Mm-hmm. That was the whole purpose. So you have uh, verses in in Genesis uh, where after man sins, he runs and hides himself, right? Right. Um, and then God comes down and he's walking in the cool of the garden in the evening. And it almost seems like this this was the, the customary thing. Yeah, yeah. So so God would have this relationship with Adam where he would he would spend time with Adam just talking and walking together. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some of the best times... Where I've had relationships with others, we'd be we'd be on walks, or you know, we'd be sitting down and just talking one on one and getting that getting that relational goodness, and that's the whole purpose of God's creating us specifically, human beings, yeah. is to have a relationship with us. So what's the whole plan of salvation? <laughs> exactly, like the whole plan of salvation is to draw us to Him. Yes. So sin messes everything up, right? Mm-hmm. And so God creates a means by which we we're, we're reconciled. We're reconciled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We we come back into a relationship with God the Father, and it's through crucifying His Son. Now, how important is prayer, or is a relationship, relational talking to God? And we have this word prayer, but I want to I want to I want to change that with how important is talking with God. Mm-hmm. To God. Yeah. It's so important that he sent his only son to die on the cross for it. Prayer is so emphatically important to God because it's the reason that you and I are created to have a relationship with him. Right. right? We don't just do it because we're commanded to, because it is an imperative, but we do it because you can't have a relationship with someone you don't talk to. I mean, that's just the bottom line. Right. Like if, like if, if my wife and I never talked... Like, we would have no relationship. Yeah, exactly. And I can't be like, you know, uh, 
yeah, honey, I know it's been a while since we talked, but, you know, uh, I got these problems in my life. How good would our marriage work if that's the only time I went to her was whenever I had some supplication I needed? Right. <laughs> it just wouldn't work. You know? Exactly. And speaking of supplication, let's let's talk about this for a second. Okay. How needful we really are of prayer. If, uh, if we could peel back the veil like Paul does when he talks about wrestling not with flesh and blood, blood with, with principalities and powers mm-hmm. darkness, we could peel back that veil and see just how close we are on the edge yeah. <laughs> of, of just absolute annihilation. Yeah. We would cling to our Creator so much more steadfastly. Yeah, Satan's hot on your heels. He is, but the, the closer you are with God, the closer he is to the more he wants to sift you, right? That's right. As Jesus told Peter. But the problem is is we don't think we need prayer, especially in America where we have everything taken care of. Like everything's taken care of. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had no need for food and water this morning. I have water that runs into my house that I can get a cup. And not only that, but I have a water that runs into a filtration system mm-hmm. into my fridge that I can get ice and then cold water with, right? Yeah. If I'm hungry, I can open up that fridge and there's tons of food in there, right? And it's it's not that bad. First world problems would be my fridge cuts out and, you know, I have to have an ice box in the, yeah. in the house. But the craziest thing... Is we don't so you don't have to say give us this day our daily bread exactly because you've got you've already got it you don't need to ask for it right yeah. it's it it comes standard in America yeah the you know the reality is the more we have I believe the less likely we are to pray mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a sad thing when you look at it yeah because the less likely we are to acknowledge the person who's given us all and we that. even call those things blessings yeah but they're blessings and they're curses as well uh, you know, it depends on how on how they affect us absolutely and the proof of the proof of this is uh, any any kind of disaster you can think of the the closest one to mind for me comes 911 was you know mm-hmm. I was 19 years old um, and I remember sitting watching ESPN and they interrupted ESPN's Sports Center to tell us about the World Trade Center. And my mind was blown. I mean, I mm. can't believe that, that happened. And in a second, everything fell, you know? And it was amazing what happened right after 9-11. Hmm. It, it was amazing. In America, there, there became this sense of pride in the United States, right? Mm-hmm. You remember all the flags going oh, up yeah. and people had them on their cars and put them on their roofs and put them everywhere, Flags, but not only that, the churches experienced a huge boom. Mm-hmm. There were tons of people who were like, "Oh, I better get my butt back in church, <laughs> right?" Oops, I forgot that this life isn't about food and everything and be taken away in a second. Yeah. I better run to the one that fills my soul, right? It's a natural response, I believe, in every human to search out God whenever disaster strikes. Mm-hmm. The old adage, there is no uh, atheist in a foxhole, is very true. And so um, I I believe that uh, in America, especially, disaster is the only thing that drives people back back to God. And we can see this in history. Um, One of the best examples I have of that is this guy, Jeremiah Lamphere, and and the story of the... uh, uh, the stock market crash in the 1800s. Mm, yeah. It uh, started the Second Great Awakening. But I want to talk about how powerful prayer is. So I pulled out three people <coughs> to talk about that. Um, the first one is George Mueller. 
George Mueller is this amazing dude. Um, <laughs> back in the 1800s, uh, he became a missionary. God called him to become a missionary. He was a little uh, <coughs> hood rat. <coughs> Excuse me. He was a little hood rat in Germany when he was a kid. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and his parents couldn't stand pick him. Pocket. He was a pickpocket. He was he was just a jerk. And uh, so he grew up kind of on the streets. He did have parents, but they weren't very good. He stole money from his dad all the time. <laughs> uh, he sneaked out of a hotel without paying for rooms. I mean, that's just what he did. Um, and then he became a Christian and went to, to Bible school to be a pastor. Yeah. And God called him to be a missionary. And he told his dad that, and his dad almost disowned him. Um, and then he finally, he decided, okay, forget this. I'm going to go to England. So he, he goes to England and he's walking around and he's praying. Okay. <clears throat> Lord, what do you want me to do? I'll do anything that you, you call me to do. Um, what do you want me to do? And so God told him to look around and see all, all these homeless kids. And said, I, "I'm you're gonna build orphanages, okay? Now Mueller had no money; he had really no possessions; he, he had nothing. Um, but he started praying. He's like, okay, God, you've called me to do this, so I know that you're gonna do it. Mm-hmm. So these are the things he needed. And he he got a, a journal, a prayer journal. He kept a prayer journal, and he started writing down all these things that they needed. I need a building. I need funding." Uh, I need staff, uh, you know, people to take care of these kids. Uh, I need, you know, support in this this way. He started just writing these things down, not advertising it, not right. knocking door to door right. and going, hey, I need a building. You want to give me 20 bucks? He just simply began praying. Yes. And knowing that God was going to provide. And it was crazy. He'd write something down in that journal and begin fervently praying for it, knowing that God was going to provide it. And God provided, mm. provided a building within a week of him writing that down, provided staff, provided all this stuff. It was crazy to see, if you look at his journal, you'll see the things he wrote down and then he'll scratch them off one by one right, as right. God God provided. Um, so this is really a great little story. I'll read this. And this is from... Uh, Church history, the site that I get a lot of our church history stuff off of. Okay. Uh, The children are dressed and ready for school, but there is no food for them to eat, the house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 kids into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. There were 300 kids at this time. Mm -hmm. He thanked God for the food and waited. (laughs) He just, you know. So can (laughs) you imagine? All right, y'all all sit down. Yeah, exactly. Everybody sit down. Where are we going to eat? Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure that mother or the you know the house mother was going, this is Man's pure insanity, right? <laughs> You're sitting these kids down, getting them expecting food, and we have no food to feed them. And so he's like, all right, we're going to pray. And they prayed, and he thanked God for the food. It's not like he prayed, God, please, just like poor manna. Right. He's like, God, I know you're going to provide, so thank you in advance. Um, George knew God would provide the food to the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew you would need bread this morning, and I got up and baked three batches for you while bringing in. <laughs> Soon there was another knock on the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use 
some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in ten large cans of milk. It was just enough for 300 thirsty children. Wow. So that's just one example of the power of prayer. And And people may not believe that story or whatever, but I'm here to tell you, I've seen that same type of stuff happen, like, right before my eyes. Like, even, even what we do with Footprints of Charity... I mean, we've put so little work into that; it's 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 shameful. But uh, but God has just like shown up for every need that we've had along the way, and it's just it's been well. And here's my supernatural. Argument. Yeah, <laughs> isn't isn't that the New Testament model? <laughs> when you look at it, isn't that the New Testament model? God radically saves a person, mm-hmm. radically saves a group, right? Yeah. They begin praying for his will in their lives. God gives them direction and shows them exactly in, in every little step what they're supposed to do if they're faithful in, in praying. And then God does it. Mm. It's the New Testament it's, model. It's awesome to witness. I mean, it, it's so amazing to know that you're in the middle of God's work. Right. That's That's one of the things, another thing with, I don't know if it's, if, if it's America or if it's our mainstream Protestant upbringing for me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm just going to say this, and people are going to think I'm crazy, and I'm not Benny Hinn. I don't, I don't practice name it, claim it. I don't believe in that stuff at all. But I do think that anybody who reads the New Testament and practically lives it out practically believes in prayer. Mm-hmm. It, as a supernatural means to by by which God accomplishes His will on earth, which that's what prayer is. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit being supernatural in in us, right. communing with God to, to fulfill God's will on earth. Anybody that reads that, I, I don't see how they can be a cessationist. I don't see how you can do that. And I think that most people who are cessationists have never gone overseas and done missional work and watched the power of God overseas mm-hmm. because he has to operate a lot more super in supernatural yeah. ways overseas. And I, and I think a lot of the difference is the difference between it being a show and being something that is uh, truly beneficial right. to the work. Yeah, and and you know, like you're talking about, like if you're if you're thinking of tent revival healings or whatever that sort of thing. I mean, I'm not going to pass judgment on any of that, but I just don't think that's really God's purview. No. Right? Uh, But where his purview is, is all of a sudden there's food that's needed or there is water that's needed or there... I mean, we had a great example when we were over in, in Haiti and they were in a drought over at Loganov, hadn't had rain in four months. And we pray that night for God to to bring rain. And that night at 1 a.m., it rains for eight hours. Right. And what's the end game on that? What's God's purpose in that? The God's purpose is to draw more men unto himself, mm-hmm. right? It's always about the gospel being pushed forward. Good examples in Scripture, uh, the first one being Pentecost. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is an obvious example of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon people to uh, to push forth the gospel. Supernatural outpouring. They started speaking in different languages to tell people about Jesus. Right. And what were they doing before that happened? They were all together praying. Mm-hmm. 
In fact, if you go and you look at miracles traced to the New Testament, there's a single factor in 90% of them. Yeah. Prayer precedes the miracle. Well, and even whenever the disciples were having a hard time getting it done, you know, like the the guy who kept falling into the fire with (laughs) epilepsy or whatever, and, and... they were like, why can't we? Why can't we cast this demon out, or you know, whatever? And Jesus's response was, uh, "This this doesn't come except through prayer, prayer and fasting." So it was like it, there's such a strong connection yeah. between the two, right? And that's the point. Prayer is extremely powerful. It's how God accomplishes His work on earth mm-hmm. um, through people who are faithful in prayer. Another example, Jeremiah Lamphere. I'm spending way too much time on these examples, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Jeremiah Lamphere is one of my favorite stories. He's a guy during the Second Great Awakening. He started the Second Great Awakening. Uh, so he was a businessman. Uh, he lived in New York, um, a New York businessman, and just you know worked and made really good money. And then God told him, quit your job. You're going to become a pastor. <laughs> and Jeremiah's like, all right, I, I guess I'll quit my job and I'll become a pastor. So he becomes a pastor and he receives a salary for less than $1,000 a year from being a businessman in New York in the 1800s yeah. to becoming a pastor and receiving a salary of less than $1,000 a year. Not only that, but God plants him in the like worst church ever. It was called the Old Dutch North Church in Fulton uh, in William Streets. Okay? It had like three families in it. <laughs> So here he is. He's the pastor of this dying, dead church in the middle of New York, right beside, uh, um, right beside the uh, stock market. Mm -hmm. So one day he's walking around and he's praying about uh, how he can reach these people for for Jesus. And God says, "I want you to start praying. I want you to start a prayer meeting. That's what I want you to do." So every Wednesday. So for like a month, he sends out leaflets, pamphlets and stuff. And he says, we're going to be meeting and praying every Wednesday at this business, at this building. I've rented a room. We're going to come up and pray for an hour every Wednesday. It's going to be during your lunch hour, so you're able to do it if you want to spend your lunch hour. Now, how many businessmen do you think in New York want to spend their lunch hour going to yeah, a, probably not many. a room and praying? Yeah, this is... This is not seeker-friendly ways to reach people <laughs> to get them into your church. Right. But this is what God told Jeremiah to do, and so he started doing it. First meeting, uh, it got to like 12.45, and six guys showed up together at the last 15 minutes. So they prayed for 15 minutes. Jeremiah said, come back next Wednesday. So they came back. The following Wednesday, there were 20. The following Wednesday, there were 40. Um by the time it uh it by that time it took off uh the very next week after there were 40 was October 14th which was the black wednesday or whatever mm-hmm. when the stock market crashed and guess what all these people started pouring in for prayer <laughs> right Yep. Surprise, surprise, you know, when disaster happens, people start mm-hmm. praying. So I poured in, and before you know it, 3,000 men, lawyers, physicians, merchants, clerks, 3,000 men were meeting every Wednesday at this prayer meeting. So Jeremiah said, okay, well, we're going to do it every day then, because we really feel like this is what God is wanting us to do, is to pray. He wants us to pray for our nation. So we're going to do that. So 
10,000, by the end of it, 10,000 men were meeting daily in that that building, <laughs> filling up that building from room to room, praying wow. every day. 10,000 men out of a population of 800,000. 10,000. <laughs> um, which is absolutely insane. And then, not only that, but it, it spread and spread and spread, and it became what's known as the Second Great Awakening, right? Which is right. a big deal in our nation. Uh, it swept the nation, revival hit, and uh, over a million people came to know who Jesus was. And it all started with one guy on a budget of $1,000 a year. Yeah, with three or four families. With three or four <laughs> families in the middle of New York advertising a prayer service. Yep. Prayer is absolutely powerful. Mm-hmm. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, there's a story that goes, these five college-age guys wanted to go watch him preach, and they got to the church a little early, and so they were greeted at the door by a man, and back then they didn't have a lot of photograph stuff, so they didn't know who this man was, but it was Spurgeon himself. Yeah. And uh, the man's like, you guys want to tour of the church? And they're like, sure, we want to tour of the church. So he takes them and shows them all the different places. And he's like, now, do you want to see the boiler room? It was the middle of summer. And they go, I, you know, I don't, why would we want to see the boiler room? But I guess, okay. It's He's like, this. it's the best part of our church. This is where it gets creepy. Right. Like, this is where you're just like, maybe I came to the wrong church. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, kids. You want to see the boiler room? See what I got in the basement? <laughs> But anyways, getting back to the non-creepy part. Okay, um, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, so, so they're like, so I he guess. says, let's see, let's see the basement. Let's yeah. see the boiler room. Yeah, he's, he's like, it's the most important part of our church, the boiler room. And so they go down this flight of stairs to this room, and he opens it, and there's like a hundred people on their knees, just pouring out their their heart. Mm. And he said, my ministry would not happen without this happening every day. Yeah, and I mean, it's just the truth. Prayer is how God gets things done on earth, mm-hmm. it, and it's supernatural in its power. It's what God wants us to do. God wants us to pray. So, um, back to why you know why we don't pray very well. I want to focus on this idea of intimacy. Okay. okay. So, people aren't intimate with God. And that's where I'm, I'm focusing on. First mm-hmm. um, John is all about actually having fellowship with God and yeah. each other, but yeah, yeah. mostly fellowship with God. This word fellowship uh, is a Greek transliterated. We have a transliterated word meaning um, it's it's called koinonia mm-hmm. is the actual word. And it means oneness. It means connected as one, yeah. right? Um, yeah. You brought some other really interesting well, the the fact that um, the the word is almost untranslatable, right? And so, um, so I was reading from one Greek scholar one time, and he was talking about all the, the aspects of koinonia that is in there. It can represent everything from just having things in common. In fact, the Greek word koine is common is what it means is part of that. So. It can mean anything from just having something in common all the way to intercourse. Right. You know, I mean, that's how intimate this word is, right? Right. And um, and it means not just – it gets loosely translated as fellowship most of the time, but it's so much more than, than just fellowship. It's like um, 
there's a concept of building in the word. So like, for example, um, probably the best way to describe it would be a bond between people in order to build something that is so tightly knit that it can never be broken. Right. Like that's the concept of what koinonia means. Yeah, and, and that fits perfectly with us and God. Mm-hmm. God is working with us to build something on earth. It's right. called his kingdom, right? right. His kingdom. Right. And so First uh, John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So God's goal is to establish fellowship, fellowship inside the church mm-hmm. with each other, and then fellowship with Him. And <clears throat> I use the words intimacy and oneness to mm-hmm. describe Koinonia, because that's really what it is. It's intimacy. Um, a good picture of this, that th- the Bible uses two main pictures in our relationship with God. Um, I believe, in the New Testament, two really big ones. The first one is marriage. Marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. It's a picture of our relationship with God. And um, so in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, Paul makes a statement. He he quotes Genesis, Mm -hmm. uh, therefore the man shall leave his uh, parents and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then he says, this is a big mystery. <laughs> He's like, this is a mysterious thing, but it has to do yeah. with Christ and the church. That's yeah, what he says. Yeah. So in other words, there's this there's this uh, picture that goes on whenever you get married. And this picture is intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. Oneness. You are connecting yourself with another person person, and you two aren't going to be two anymore, you're going to be one. And this is why I think we we miss out on this a lot in America, because we have a really jacked up whack idea of marriage to begin with. Like, honestly, two bank accounts yeah. is not oneness, <laughs> right? Right, I agree. <laughs> his money, her money is not oneness. Um, his time, her time is not oneness. His you know, his thing and her thing. It's not thing. just cohabitation. It's not one. Oh, it's, it is having everything in common. Right. One flesh. One flesh. The two shall become one flesh. And that's the picture that we're supposed to have mm-hmm. with Christ. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but the most intimate times that I've ever had conversations with my wife have been pillow talk, mm-hmm. right? Where we're just lying there together, completely exposed and and talking to each other, mm-hmm. openly, honestly laying everything out on the table. And the best, the best marriage is the one that is completely open, honest, and exposed to each other. Right. Right? The one where we share... Transparency. Transparent, and we share everything with each other. Um, and we talk and talk. Uh, whenever Christine and I first started dating, there would be times where I'd sit in the car with her outside of our apartment until 3, 4 o'clock in the morning and just talk. And I mean, I'd leave the conversation and have no clue what we talked about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, yeah, I remember that. But it was this, oh the same type of thing. gosh, this feeling of, mm-hmm. oh, we're in love, this is love, this is, this is intimacy, this is special, you know. And it happens at the beginning of marriage so much more than it happens throughout. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You get to know each other enough to... But there's a part of that intimacy too, where you know each other to even be able to tell exactly what that other person. But, but you still can have those say. type of moments. It's just different types of topics, you know. I mean, exactly. It, you start uh, sharing 
all kinds of stuff about your day, right. about uh, the kids, or you know whatever. I mean, right. there's all this stuff that is in our lives. Now, let's take that that idea and that conversation. You, you know, it's like uh, when you're a boyfriend and girlfriend, and you're talking on the phone, and you're like, you know, you don't want to hang up the phone. It's yeah, that, yeah, that thing. Now, take that back to what we were talking about earlier. Whenever we have these vain repetitions thing, and imagine your relationship with your wife <laughs> using vain repetition. Yeah. Think about that for a second. Oh wife. Oh wife. I come to you bef- I come to you now in a humble manner. Make me a sandwich. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Christina's gonna kill me. No, seriously though, think G- about give that. Give us this day my daily sandwich. I mean <laughs> my daily sandwich. <laughs> There's nothing more <laughs> sterile. Right. More non emotional, more non feeling, more Offensive. Offensive. <laughs> than having somebody just talk to you with vain repetition. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why God hates it. <laughs> right. It's because it's fake relationship. It's right. not real. Right. It's not intimate. And the picture that we're supposed to have in our prayer life... Like if I use the term, oh, wife, every other, every other word, that would go over well. <laughs> and um, just wife, thanks for this. And... Um, just wife, thanks for that. And um, <laughs> wife, could you please do this? And um, wife, could you please do that? That's not real. Mm-hmm. It's just not. It's it's uh, inorganic. So th- I think that's an important thing to look at when you're examining your prayer life. Are you are you being real with God? Mm. Uh, are you exposing yourself to God? And we have this idiotic notion that we can hide who we really are yeah. from the Almighty. Or it's the flip side of that, where it's like, well, he knows everything already anyway. So I don't have to talk so to him about it. So I don't have to, to talk to him <laughs> about it. But, you know, there's some of those, those times where it's just important. Like, he wants to hear your expression of it. Yes. Yeah, sure, he knows what's in your mind. He knows what's in your heart. He knows all that stuff already. But he wants to experience it with you. Right. And so that's... It's the joy of of your your child. Of course, I don't want to, to jump ahead, but like when your child is trying to express something to you, yes, and you don't like interrupt them and go, no, 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 that's not what you, because I know what you want, and blah blah blah. You let the kid talk because you enjoy it, and right. it's like, did you hear how cute he was? Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, but prayer. Um, another real big purpose besides changing the world for Christ, <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> prayer changes us. Our relationship with God should continually change us. So prayer is how God gets that done, mm-hmm. right? Whenever you're struggling with a sin, say it's porn, okay? So with porn, and you're like, well, God already knows about that, so I don't really have to talk to him about that. Right. <laughs> the more you pray about it, the more you openly talk to God about it, the easier it becomes to get that sin out of your life. Because it's it's working on you. Right? Because you feel like you're exposing it. Right. It's changing when you. you it, when you bring something into the light, mm-hmm. it can no longer be hid. It has no choice, yeah. right? And so even though God sees it, when you bring it out into the light, it has a totally different effect on you. Sure. And it's so, it's again, it all goes back to the word intimate and oneness. It's exposing who you really are to God and allowing Him to work in you and change you. Okay, so the next main 
picture that we have of our relationship with God in Scripture is the whole uh, sons and daughters of the king. So if you would read Romans 8, uh, especially verses 14 through 17. Okay. Romans 8, 14. Mm-hmm. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, so when Jesus was talking about prayer, one of the most radical things he ever did uh, and we've talked about this before, um, in the Lord's Prayer, whenever the disciples came, came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, yeah. okay? Uh, he gave them a quotable prayer, right? Um, a pattern for prayer. And the first thing he said was, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Mm. That That is a huge statement to the Jews, right? Yeah, a huge change in perception. Right, because they perceived God as... Untouchable, because he's holy. Unpronounceable. Unpronounceable. Mm-hmm. Unapproachable. Right. Right? God is off. He's going to be over there. He's on the mountain. He's on the mountain. Yeah. And we're down here, and you know we're going to have prophets go over there and find out what he wants from us, and they'll sacrifice to him, and we'll worship him, but it's going to be this broken relationship. Right. But what happens when Jesus fixes that relationship is he brings us into... To the mountain. Into the mountain. <laughs> and he right. brings us into this new relationship where mm-hmm. we are adopted sons and fathers. So instead of away, he becomes Abba, father, yeah. uh, daddy, or the most intimate term of father you can think of is mm-hmm. Abba, right? Yeah. Um, and so again, this is Amer- in America, we have a messed up idea of who parents are. Um, but a g- think, of, think of the best father you can, right? A good father is not going to be one who's standing off, not participating in his son's life, yeah, and ignoring the his absentee son. father. That's an absentee father. A good father is not going to be one who beats his son and berates his son all the time. Mm-hmm. A good father is one who spends time with his son, teaches his son, loves his son, disciplines his son. Yeah, but above everything else, has a intimate relationship. And in fact, it's one of the best ways to know God, to understand God. Especially if you're a dad, you should really get it. I mean, it really should register. I mean, we've looked at all these things like in uh, church and you know all the church problems I've been through and this sort of thing. And it's like, you just don't get it. You're not just a servant. Yes, you're a servant, but you're not just a servant. You're also the child of the house. You're you're the son. <laughs> and And so it's like... Uh, and and you think about things like your dad teaching you how to ride a bike, right? You know, it's like he's not going to keep it from falling; he's going to be there, pick you back up. But right. you, I mean, there's just so many analogies that go into what is what oh, sure. we consider being a good father. I've been uh, I've been learning that this year more than anything else. Blakely's about one year old. Um, is about next week when she was born, and. Uh, since that time, God has been using her to show me our relationship, 
mm-hmm. he and I's relationship. Um, Blakely goes to the daycare at my school. And so every day I get to drop her off in the morning and pick her up on my way home. And, uh, and so I go in there and she'll be playing with her toys, goofing off with her friends, just having a really good time. And, uh, you know, I'll sneak around and look at her and watch her playing. And, you know, my heart just, I love that girl. Like Mm -hmm. I have this (laughs) unbelievable draw to her. She's my baby. And um, it's nothing catches my heart more than whenever she turns and looks up and looks at the door and sees me standing there and freaks out. And she'll just go, dad, 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 and just like crawl run right right to me, you know, and put her arms up and be like, pick me up right now. (laughs) I've been waiting for you all day, you know? It's amazing. It's that picture, that that intimate picture um, when – when the writer of Hebrews says that we can boldly approach the throne of God, uh, boldly, yeah. isn't that crazy? Yeah. And and he he has that relationship with us where he loves his children mm. and he loves talking with his children, spending time with his children. Yeah, in First John four, where it says we can um, that perfect love casts out fear. Mm. We have no more fear of judgment from God. Because it's been perfected into this, into this desire to be with him. Right. So you know, is is your prayer like that? You know, is is your prayer like crawling to see your daddy? Mm. You know what I mean? And hungering to be at his feet and to talk to him about everything that's going on. Um, and it's all built off of the Holy Spirit. Every everything that that we've been focusing on so far. Yes. Go straight to the heart of what what the Holy Spirit's function is in our lives. Prayer is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Prayer is how the Holy Spirit is how we or we're able to even commune with God. Uh Romans eight is the perfect picture of this. Right, but right. I want to focus on just really quickly, just those two verses, eight, twenty six and twenty seven, and that's Okay. Those are the two. He says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the reality is if, if we're struggling with our prayer life, we're really struggling with a spiritual issue. Mm-hmm. We're struggling with lack of the Holy Spirit right. in our life. Lack of, not lack of the Holy Spirit, but lack of obeying the Holy yeah. Spirit yeah. or following the Holy or Spirit. Or not letting him loose. Not, exactly. Not letting him run wild. Letting him out. And that's yeah. that's the reality. Um, it's like uh, caging the animal <laughs> right. more than anything. Quenching the Spirit. Quenching the Spirit. The Holy Spirit... Which, by the way, is in that same Thessalonian... Uh, when it says pray without ceasing, it's in that same right. little block of scripture, you know, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. <laughs> because the spirit, again, the spirit is how, how we communicate. It's also how God works on earth, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is is the thing that, that allows us to, to have that pipeline. So I love that scripture because, and people are like, we, you know, we give utterances, Right. Oh, like yeah. And they think that that means intelli- in, not, unintelligible, unintelligible speech. 
yeah. or whatnot. But I think more than anything, prayer language or whatever, it allows us to pray what we really need to pray. Well, and, and that was that's what that's talking about. And if you're honestly going before God on a regular basis, you know what this means. I mean, because there's there are times whenever it's like I can't express <laughs> what it is I need. Like I can't express the feeling. I know that there's something there. I know that I'm in need. I know that there's a gap there between me and God about something. And sometimes it's just as easy to say, Father, I don't even know how, what to say. I just pray that the Spirit will, will intercede for me and you'll understand. Right. And of course he does. And that's like, but it's, if you, if you get to, to a point to where it's like you just, we're like this with each other too. It's like, I'm just not saying what I mean. Like, you know, I just can't get out what it is that I'm trying to express to you. And, and a lot of times when people will be like, well, I, I don't get what you're saying. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit fixes that. Right. You don't have that problem with God. Exactly. And that, that's the purpose. And a lot of times I go into prayer meetings having, having no clue what I'm praying for. And it's, other times it's like the Holy Spirit takes over my mouth. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just pray through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And he just, he prays to, communicates to God, right? And I'm blown away afterwards. And I sit there and I think, yeah, I need that. God, you know what I mean? It's almost like God's opening up to right, show me right. exactly what I need to be praying for and you know how I need to be praying. So the Holy Spirit is how we communicate, and that is the most intimate thing when you think of it, mm. that, that God the Father sent His Holy Spirit in to indwell us, to change us. I mean, it's the marriage <laughs> picture, you know, it's the parent picture, but... He indwells us and changes us into who we're supposed to be, and then we communicate with him because of it. Yes. So our the question is, are we fervently drawn to prayer by the Holy Spirit, mm. right? And that's that's the essence of koinonia. Yeah. That's the that's the whole focus of this uh, this idea of oneness with God. So. The two things that I pulled out of this, number one, we need to be realizing our need for prayer instead of focusing on the mundane things. Yeah. Screw tape said it best whenever he was talking to Wormwood about getting that that man's mind so far distracted that he doesn't think of his spiritual needs. Yes. He's totally focused on his physical. Mm. And uh, we need to we need to realize that we do need it. We also need to realize that that prayer is how God works in the world. Prayer is how God's going to work in your life. Mm-hmm. It, you are not, you may have the biggest church in America. You may have, you know. Yeah, none of that matters. The biggest, but if it's not, if it's not wrought with prayer, mm-hmm. then it's powerless according to God. Right, right. And it doesn't do anything. It's wood, hay, and stubble, right? <laughs> um, and then the other thing, become intimate with the Almighty. Uh so, anyways, that's that's pretty much all I got. Wow, I spent fifty five minutes doing that, but no, sorry. that's good stuff, man. That's uh, <laughs> and and like I said, we'll, we'll probably be talking about it more next week because there's yeah. so much about prayer. There is, and it's because it's not just about you and God. Mm-mm. There's so many other things that 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 plays into this, and, right? 
And so we want to talk about that. Amen. So, you want to do some news? Let's do it. And now the news. All right. So there's a new Texan. 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 <laughs> <laughs> There is a new Texan. I'm so stuffed up, by the way. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I just got really stuffed up. Yeah. Okay. Texas adoption law that could jumpstart Christian agencies again. I don't know if you heard about this, but um, Christian agents, there were a lot of, back in the day, there were a ton of Christian adoption agencies. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely a ton of them. And, like, the Catholic Church was heavily involved in adoption agencies. Um, and they were actively getting orphans off the streets and into loving parents' homes. But the government, and the government was supporting them, but the government shut down uh, supporting Christian adoption organizations. Uh, Because it's a separation of church and state? Part of it, but the thing was, the Christian adoption agencies chose not to place... They they got the final say in who got placed in whose home, mm-hmm. and so they chose not to place children in homosexual families. Oh right, like with two dads or two moms, yeah, yeah. or transgender families or any families they they viewed were against their religious core beliefs. beliefs. That's right. right, core beliefs, and so um, the government dropped funding on that, and so a lot of those guys basically bailed out. They said, well, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're gonna, not going to be able. So it ended up hurting the the adoption. I mean, there are so many kids that are looking for parents right now. It's crazy because of that. Um, so about a quarter of the child welfare providers now in, in Texas are religiously affiliated programs. Um, that's, you know, so that's 25%. But it used to be 50 and almost closer to 75%. And so Governor Greg Abbott just signed in a new law which allowed them to um, be state-funded, authorized state-funded agencies, and allowed them to discriminate on basis of sincerely held religious beliefs. Hmm. Um, But there's a huge uprising in Austin. (laughs) Of course. Because of that. So they're only... Right now, there are only two states, Texas and South Dakota, which are allowed to have these protections mm-hmm. to uh, to be able to discriminate based on uh, religious beliefs. But I think the bottom line is what we need to look look at here. If if you disallow that, how many kids are going to go without parents because <laughs> right. you don't you know you don't want to discriminate? Right. You know what I mean. Where's the the kids getting discriminated against on that? <laughs> Which is so sad. It's that is a perfect picture of the uber liberal side, mm-hmm. right? And they're they're so worried about discrimination or offending or, or offending, offending somebody that they end up hurting people mm-hmm. because of it, right? I mean, that's ridiculous that you should say to a Catholic agency who wants to take in orphans and then get them paired up with parents right well we can't let you have them because you know you might turn away a gay couple <laughs> right well it, the i think the argument though is is really that it's state funds right yeah and i understand and that's, that you know if it was church funds it would no way would care but again and you know this and it's goes, not like the church can't afford to do that by the way you don't think you think the catholic church can afford to do it oh are you kidding me <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I think the regular church can afford, <laughs> not regular. I guess Catholics are regular too, but I mean the non-Protestant. Yeah, the Protestant church. Yeah, can definitely do that. Yeah, if we'd spend half of what we spend on our facilities, if we cut down Joel Osteen's salary to half, we'd probably be able to pay <laughs> Creflo Dollar. Creflo Dollar. That G six gotta have that G six. <laughs> Anyways, <clears throat> Isis, Isis killed twenty nine Christians on a church bus trip to a popular monastery. Um, in Egypt. So, I don't know if you know this, but it's Ramadan, right? Yes. Terrorists ambushed a Coptic church. Again, they are really focusing on the Coptic Christians. So, they're celebrating their holy day by... uh, They are. That's right. Um, They ambushed a Coptic church bus trip on Friday near Myrna in Upper Egypt, killing at least 28 and injuring 23, including many children. Egypt's interior ministry reported that three vehicles of eight and ten gunmen dressed in military uniforms opened fire on the Christian convoy, which was on its way to the 4th century St. Samuel, the Confessor Monastery, in uh, Samalot, uh, 140 miles south of Cairo. So it's just the latest one. We need to be praying for Christians in Egypt right now. They are getting really heavily uh, hit and killed. it's a very, very, very sad situation. So disturbing, some of the images that are coming out of there. Um, this news right here is uber fresh. Um, today in Kabul, there was a another suicide bomber mm. uh, that killed 90 near the diplomatic area in Afghanistan. Wow. Um, so, Who was the target? I don't think they know yet. That's how fresh this is. Mm. They know that, uh, that uh, Taliban has not claimed responsibility. So it might be ISIS. Yeah. It might be some other <clears throat> group. But it was a suicide bomb that ripped through a secure area of Kabul at the height of the Wednesday morning rush hour, killing at least 90 people, wounding 400. The blast, uh, which came a few days into the Muslim holy month of Ramadan, was one of the deadliest to hit the capital in recent years. The bomb exploded in the diplomatic quarter near the German embassy and the Afghan presidential palace. Hmm. The streets were packed with commuters, women shopping, and children going to school. And the blast appears likely a result of a high, likely to result in a high civilian death toll. So, yep, they're celebrating Ramadan by blowing up Christians. Ridiculous. That's the whole thing. And, um, yeah, so who can say that that the Muslim religion is intolerant? <laughs> I'm just sorry, but it doesn't line yeah. up. Whenever you can strap a bomb on somebody and take them into mm-hmm. the heart of a city and blow up 90 people, women and children, injure 400 others. To celebrate your Holy Week, or Holy Month. Right. <laughs> Which is actually supposed to be about prayer. Yeah. <laughs> but we're going to make it about blowing up. Yeah. Uh, I got some Pope news. Oh, really? I do. Brothers and sisters, come together. Hallelujah, the Pope is here. <laughs> Vatican City, May 24, 2017. 2.48 a.m. After months of anticipation, Pope Francis and U.S. President Donald Trump finally met at the Vatican Wednesday in a friendly encounter, dun, dun, dun. which included an emphasis on protection of life and freedom of conscience. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> According to the May 24th Vatican uh, commun- communique, Pope Francis and Trump expressed satisfaction for the good existing bilateral relations between the Holy See and the United States of America, as well as the joint commitment in favor of life and freedom of worship and conscience. The Pope uh, and Trump met in the Vatican on May 24th, immediately before the weekly general audience in St. Peter's Square. Um, did you see all the memes and stuff with no. Pope and, <laughs> and Trump? No. There's just one. Is, it's my favorite. It's a GIF. And uh, basically what it is is so the Pope and President <laughs> Trump are standing side by side smiling. And then it, it takes off that image and pans to their hands. Which is fake, but yeah. they faked it. But it looks like Trump's he, he like pinky touches Pope yeah. and he tries to get him to hold his hand, and the Pope like bats his hand away. Wow, <laughs> that's my favorite one so far. Wow, it's just so hilarious. <laughs> and then there's another one where it looks like the Pope is just giving Trump like the dirtiest look you can ever <laughs> give him, like this, like you're an idiot look. Anyways, so yeah, so the Pope and Trump met and. Uh, you know, Trump probably said, I'm the best. I'm the best ever. <laughs> you're you're just the greatest pope of all time. It's, I, I don't know how to do Trump's voice. That, that was good. Keep working on it. All right. I'll yeah. keep. <laughs> and then today in church history. Popping our TARDIS. It's bigger on the inside. I got to cut it short this time. Forbidden to bury their dead in relig- uh, regular burial grounds, the Christians of Rome interred them in underground vaults used by the poor. Called catacombs, they were built outside the city and subject to severe building codes for fear they might collapse. So many mar- martyrs found their final rest in the sites that Christians began to hold special memorial services in them. Except during the worst persecutions, Christians were allowed control of their own catacombs. Widespread use of the catacombs for Christian burial seems to have dated around the 3rd century. Christianity has transformed whenever it touched. It transformed even the gloomiest crypts. On their walls, Christians painted events from the Old Testament and New Testament, Church and the Apostles, Daniel's friends friends in the furnace, Christ as the Good Shepherd, the discovery of Moses and the bulrushes. These are a few of the subjects rendered upon the rock-hard clay. On this day, May 31st, of 1578, an entrance into the catacombs north of Rome on the Via Salaria was accidentally discovered. The import of the find was not then recognized. The men who would first understand its import had hardly two year, uh, was hardly two years old that day. Wow. And his name was Antonio uh, Bosio. He's the guy that wow. discovered um, the... Uh, uh, Christian catacombs, but you know that's how Christians worshipped. Actually, yeah. they they went down to those catacombs because they were fear of persecution, and they would worship in the dark. Yeah, and they'd mark their way with like the ichthys yep. and the Cairo and these other ancient symbols. Right. So they were discovered again <clears throat> in 1578. They were lost. That's cool. During the Dark Ages and discovered again in 1578. Wow, pretty neat. It's pretty cool. Yep. That's all I got for you today, man. All righty. You got any? Uh, Closest thing I got. I gotta get my stingers back, like my my voicemail stinger. Voicemail. <laughs> so we do have voicemail, but yes. before we get to the voicemail, okay, I've got an email. Ah, oh, so, email. So this is from Marla. Okay, and I actually know her. She's she's really cool. 
So uh, she says, hello, Theonauts. Hello. After sharing the gospel with someone, am I called to make sure they understand and ask if they are born again? Can we find any biblical references? Do you already have a show on how to share the gospel with biblical reference? Enjoying the show? Keep up the good work. So what's your opinion there? Um, okay, so I'm more of a relational evangelist. Right. So I believe in uh, friendships. Yeah. Um, and spending time. So my sharing the gospel will happen numerous times, mm-hmm. 20 times over, you know, yeah. a couple month period, right? And it'll be little things like, you know, uh, just... Seeds. Yeah, little seeds that I'll yeah. plant until if we have a serious conversation... Then I'm more likely to ask that person if they, yeah, if they you know understand because it's important to find out if they understand mm-hmm. and allow them to give feedback, right? Right. right. Uh, don't just bombard them and then walk off. That's the biggest, I guess, more than anything. Don't bombard them and walk off. Yeah, yeah. Build, build. If you, if you, <clears throat> I guess that's kind of the answer to the question, though. If you, if you plant the seeds, you're not obligated to water them and et cetera, et cetera, because others can do that, but. If you love somebody, it would be natural for you to involve yourself in their life somehow. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm like you. I'm not a big cold call type of evangelist. Although, I don't think there's anything wrong with it if, if that's... See, and that's my thing. God works in so many different ways yeah. to bring people yeah. to himself. So look, look at, Okay, look at the Apostle Paul. We have examples of both. Right. Okay, look what he did at Mars Hill. Now, we don't know if he ever went back to Athens right. and checked up on those guys. Yeah. Um, now, I'm sure he directed them to plenty of Christians in Greece. You know, you had the, I don't know if he directed them to Corinth or not. <laughs> that would have been kind don't of... Don't go to Corinth, yeah, we whatever got, you do. We got a little issue over there, but I'm working on yeah. that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he may have, though. I mean, because I'm sure that there were still strong, right. faithful people that... that you know, he could direct yeah. them to. But then look what he did with Ephesus in Ephesus. Where oh, he, spent tons of time. Yeah, spent that tons of time. time and planted the them that church and then worked with that church and mm-hmm. brought it to fruition. So yes, we have both models of of evangelism. It's not something that there's a that there is a written prescription, right? Or a uh, even a even a script, a pattern that is meant to be followed. <laughs> right. As much as it is about it's about loving people. Sure. If you love people, I mean, you don't have to ask. You know, if, if someone's hungry and I and I tell them where to get food, do I need to follow up? I mean, you, you gotta sure. You know, you gotta love them. Right. And so that's gonna draw you to do all kinds of different stuff. Right. And I think that if it's one of these cases where you're in a place where you're never gonna be around this place again, don't let that deter you. Yeah. You let somebody else water the the seed that you plant. Exactly. So and put it in God's hands. Hope that answered it. But the biggest thing that I want you to know is there's no script to the gospel uh, other than telling them about... Must, I must ask you a question. Yes. <laughs> I must ask you a question and then pull out your script. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, so, but we do have... Voice, thank you for that question, by the way. That was really yes, thank question. you, Marla, and thanks for listening. Love you. And... Um, we hope you keep listening to the show. Uh, well, here we have um, our our buddy Sam. Yay, Bobo, Mr. Bobo. We kind of like uh, guilted him into calling in. And so, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to preempt this a little bit. Okay, um, <laughs> poor guy tortured himself. He did. <laughs> 
Sam, it's okay. We're, uh, we're laughing with you, yes, not at you. Yes. So, um, so Sam left no less than six voicemails. Yeah. Um, totaling about thirty minutes worth of content. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, for for Sam's benefit and for anybody else, if there's a three minute limit on our Google Voice. Okay, because we don't pay for this stuff. Right. You know, we, we're kind of stuck with what they give us. So you have a three-minute three voicemail limit. And I, I don't know how new that is or whatever, because as he was saying in there, Brendan might, may have left longer than three-minute voicemails huh. before. I don't know. But anyway, right now there's a three-minute limit. So basically, if you run out of time, if the voice comes up and says, thank you for your call and hangs up on you, when you call back, just pick up where you left off. Right. Just keep going. Like And pretend it didn't cut off. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, and we'll make sure it gets all together. We'll splice it. But it was frustrating him. He was having to oh, start over. <laughs> and he would go again. And so I, I took uh, the voicemails you left, Sam, and I kind of pieced them together a little bit so we could actually play something here on the show and listen to it. So here we go. What's going on, Jeremiah and David? It's your boy. It's not your boy. It's Sam. It's not Brendan. I don't even think I sound like him. Sam Bobo from the great sovereign state of Mississippi. It's probably the way that uh, Jeremiah was expecting me to, to talk. Yeah, it is. And sorry about the pause at the beginning. I was going to say what's going on, David and Jeremiah, but I think everybody says What's going on, David and Jeremiah? So I got to show Jeremiah some love. Thank you. Say his name first. Yes. <clears throat> but um, I think this is take number three or four, attempt number four or five. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if the voice voicemail line is going to cooperate with me or not. Um, but I wanted to make good on my promise. Uh, I know y'all weren't necessarily calling me out um, at the end of the Mother's Day episode, but it definitely felt like it. Um, And I think that uh, for reasons yet to be revealed in this voicemail, uh, you'll see why why I have uh, been very hesitant to to make good on that promise and call. Words are not something I am very good with. Um, I would I would actually prefer to have a script. Maybe that's why the I maybe that's why the providence is is there to, to give me several attempts so that I can get my story straight and uh, and really um, just convey what it is that uh, the your podcast has has done for me in my life. Um, some of the um, less uh, well, okay. There's really no good way to say what I was about to say, so I'm just going to start over. Um, some of some of the the things that I have been able to do because of your podcast, I've discovered. You know, the Secret Fire podcast. Um, shout out to. Michael and and um, Brendan, uh, but also the Finding Christ in Cinema. That's been that's been great. Um, in fact, I just I kind of grew tired of, to, to be honest, uh, Christian radio. I feel bad saying that. Um, and I I knew there had to be there had to be some some kind of good 
Christian podcast out there, I stumbled across Theonauts podcast. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. Um, <laughs> Me I neither. Have, I have been <laughs> blown away with each and every episode. I want, I told you on the Facebook uh, message that I left you, I wanted to encourage you. I hope I can do that. I probably have only a minute and a half now. Um, I hope I can do that with the amount of time I have left. Um, originally, the only way that I could come up with how to describe it was just you picture something that people have told you about all your life. It, you trust these people. You know they're telling you the truth, but because you hadn't seen it for yourself or you just you hadn't really seen it um, for yourself. You've seen maybe bits and pieces, uh, but you just something hasn't been there to help you see the whole picture yet. Then um, you just not you're not quite grasping the the beauty of the scenario. I originally had a, a scenario I wanted to explain, but in takes before this, I discovered there's not enough time to do that. So we're going to skip it and move right on into. Uh, I had heard, you know, I've, I grew up in the church. Pastors, my my parents, my my family, always telling me, you know, God is loving and powerful and just and vengeful and righteous and holy and creative and has a sense of humor and he's all these things that and I believe them and I trust them. They're not going to lead me astray, but uh, you know, and I read my word and or I read his word. I read my Bible and. I don't always get that, but that's what I've been getting out of your podcast. In a nutshell, what um, Jesus and the Stars, uh, uh, Michael's or Mike's um, High Priest episode, I'm drawing a blank here on all the other ones, but y'all have so many times just revealed the creativity that God has just blessed us with if we're just willing to seek it out, um, and y'all have done so much of the seeking and, and it, all the other podcasts up until now, you know that I've been going through the backlog and I've just been listening to everything I can. Um, I, I can't get enough of God's ability to have all these just pearls of his wisdom and his creativity of his humor of just little little nuggets of knowledge uh, more about him more uh, something to draw us closer to him draw us you know into more of a relationship at least that's what it's been doing for me um it's and it's 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 thanks to him but it's he's using y'all to do it um it's re- it's actually very hard to put into words. I hope that that has con- uh, conveyed it somewhat. Um, I don't know if any of this is usable. I don't actually intend for you to use it on your podcast. I actually just wanted I more I actually wanted just to call in and encourage you to. Um, you're encouraging so many. I, I'm assuming there are all kinds of listeners out there, not just me. You're encouraging all of us. I, I just hope that somebody is, is doing the same for y'all. That's what I wanted to do for y'all. I, I appreciate what y'all do. I thank you for everything um, y'all are doing. I keep uh, looking forward to the new episodes. It's it's one of the highlights of my week when I see the post go up on Facebook that there's a new episode. Um, thank y'all for being willing to, to do what you're doing. 
Um, it's just not, I don't think there's, I, I honestly don't think there's any other podcast out there like what, what y'all are doing. I really don't. If there is, I hadn't found it. Or maybe I don't know how to search. Uh, well, I'm glad I don't, if that's the case. Um, and I'm not going to go try, but I, <laughs> I wasn't able to find it back then, and I don't plan on trying to find it anywhere else. So I just appreciate what y'all are doing. Um, I, I look forward to each and every new episode. Um, I hope y'all have uh, an amazing week. I look forward to the next episode. I actually just got a pop-up that said there was a new Brian Godawa um, episode, which is crazy because on the backlog, I just did the, uh, I don't remember the, the name of the book series, maybe Chronicles of the Nephilim, maybe that's the, <laughs> that's the name it. of it. I just started and um, and somewhere close to finishing that one, and it, it's really good. It's actually making me want to go and uh, read the book series. Um, so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this new one. Thank you guys for what you do. Jeremiah, sorry I've picked on you so hard in the past. I promise as soon as an opportunity opens up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna nail David with what I got. Um, anyways, thank you guys for being good sports. Um, uh, thanks again for what you do. Have a good one. Bye. Wow. Wasn't that amazing? All I can say is wow. Man, you, uh, you are a blessing to us because, uh, honestly, it gets kind of lonely in the podcast booth, and uh, you don't get a lot of feedback sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so when we get feedback like yours, it, it kind of validates what God is telling us to do and, and doing this. And so uh, we love you, man. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're excited about about what we do again because of you. Yeah, so Your encouragement you. means uh, an awful lot to us. It really does. Definitely. And we appreciate that very much. And we and we definitely appreciate the monetary support. Yes, thank you, brother. <laughs> thank you. So you about ready to get out of here, Jeremiah? Let's do it. All right, let's do this. The Theonauts are part of the Great Commission Transmission Network, using new media and social networking to go into all the world and proclaim the good news to everyone. To find out more, go to gctnetwork.com, subscribe to the newsletter, stay up to date with all our shows, including Finding Christ in Cinema and the Secret Fire Podcast. Visit our website at theonautspodcast.com for show notes and outlines. Listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or your favorite podcast catcher. And be sure to rate us because that helps us reach a larger audience. There are several ways you can contact us and leave us feedback. Send us email to theonauts at gctnetwork.com or call us on our voicemail line at 972-885-7270. Tweet to us on Twitter at using at Theonautical. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theonauts. And if you like us and want even more Theonauts, drop us a buck or two at patreon.com slash theonauts. Your patronage helps in our expenses like hosting fees and equipment costs. Don't forget to tune in again and explore the vast reaches of God's Word with us. All right, Jeremiah, thanks for your study. Thanks for being here. Thank you. This has been the Theonauts Podcast. Call us with your questions or comments at 972-885-7270. That's 972-885-7270. We'd love to hear from you. You are tuned in to the GCT Network. This is your Great Commission. This is your Great Commission transmission. At GCTNetwork.com. You're one of the sorriest church members I have. You're not worth 15 cents.